Into the wild I'll go and into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Into the wild I'll go Into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom Hello, women. Marion joins me on the show today to share her sweet, undisturbed birthing stories of her three children. Each of her stories are incredibly unique and a beautiful example of where intuition can guide a woman when she refuses to be influenced by the industrial obstetrical complex. Marion birthed her first baby, who was transverse until the very end, completely outside of the system, in a cabin from the 1800s in the woods with an unexpected and beautifully sweet new friend supporting her. Marion's second birth took place in a teepee outside of the school bus she was living in, with women from her community singing to her from outside in the rain. Her most recent birth is a powerful story of passionate love and how being with a partner that you are in true, genuine union with can deeply change the experience of birth. Marion's a trailblazer of her own life, following her own compass in every step of the way, from skipping birth certificates for her babies to taking one year to name her first two children and claiming radical responsibility in all circumstances of her life. It was really a joy to hear her perspective on the world through her birth stories. Before we dive into her story, I want to share with you some really big, exciting news that we have going on over here at Free Birth Society You may have already heard that the Radical Birthkeeper School is going to be opening its doors for enrollment in just a few weeks on March 11th. After running this program seven times since 2020, we have really evolved it into what we think is now the perfect expression of what this program is really meant to be. So RBK 2024 is going to be completely different than ever before. We're making the program way more digestible, significantly easier to follow and absorb the material, and more financially accessible than it's ever been. We are only running the program one time in 2024, and the classes begin on April 15th. So make sure you sign up on the wait list below and be one of the first to enroll when we open doors. And if you're wondering... Well, what if I want a longer, in-depth, high-touch mentorship program for learning real midwifery? Then don't worry, women, we've got you. Next week, we're going to be dropping all of the details about our brand new, one-of-a-kind, year-long midwifery school. It's called the Matribirth Midwifery Institute. So stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss this. It's a big, big year, and I want you with us. Check out the links in the show notes to get on the wait list for both of these groundbreaking programs in 2024 and enjoy this episode with Marion. 
on, baby. We're on. <laughs> Long overdue. Okay. I'm so excited to hear as much as we can in our little session today. I was saying to you before we were recording that I first, you first came into my consciousness in an un- un- free birth related way. And I've been having this delightful experience in, over the last couple of years where women doing cool stuff in their own fields of expertise or whatever are coming into my awareness through my friends or whatever, um, or their products, you know, whatever it is. And then I'm discovering that they're free birthers. Mm-hmm. That's so fun. I love yes. that so much. <laughs> yeah, so, me too. yeah. So first shout out to Ariel who sent me a little goddess ghee care package of your mm-hmm. yummy products, which are going to be getting slung at MRS this summer. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, just welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And um, yeah, it's fun. It was fun to make that connection and know that you had already had the ghee and like, we have the free birth oh, connection. I had the ghee. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So who are you? Who are you, lady? You've got three free birth and babies. We've got a lot of ground to cover today. So mm-hmm. take us where you want to, where you want to start. Yeah. Well, my name's Marion and I, um, where should I just go into it? Like, yeah, what, I mean, like we were yeah, saying that, that you have a 12 okay. year old and so mm-hmm. you're one of our OG free birthers, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. That are, that'll be on the podcast because many women, um, are getting turned on to free birth through this podcast, but you, I would say are, are more old school because you, mm-hmm. you know, called it in and found out about it. And we're in the, what did you say? The underground Facebook group yeah. 12, yeah. 13 yeah, years yeah. ago. Yeah. So how, let's start there. Like, because mm-hmm. you have a 12 year old child. So, so who are you before that first pregnancy and yeah. how does unassisted childbirth as it was called then even like come into your consciousness? Yeah. So yeah, 12 years ago is when I became pregnant. My son's 11 and he, um, I, at that time didn't know anyone who had even had a home birth, much less a free birth. And I was not in that culture at all or had that awareness, but I had one, like I had seen a YouTube video of a home birth. That was pretty much all I knew. And hadn't really thought much about it at all before I was pregnant, but I was definitely on like a, um, I guess I would say like rebel path in a way of noticing in those years prior, like, I mean, I was 28, but I was like, something's not right. Like something's really fucked with our culture and this whole thing. And I, um, so I was already just asking a lot of questions and I'm very curious person anyway. And then right after I was pregnant, we found out I was pregnant. I was on this raw food email list and this couple sent this email that said they had just had an unassisted birth. Cute. Yeah. And I, it wasn't a birth thing or anything. It just was like this beautiful synchronicity. And I was just looking at, yeah, like food stuff. And then, um, they, shared about their unassisted birth and that it just like mm-hmm. blasted me open into, Oh, this is a possibility. Cause I already knew from, you know, day one of finding I was pregnant that I wanted to have a home birth. I knew like 
I was not going to go to the hospital. And so, um, so then I found out about unassisted birth. And so I just started searching on Facebook and I was scared to join, like to like the pages because it, anything public that would be shared on the newsfeed, because I didn't want anyone that I knew to see that I was even looking into that because it was yeah. so yeah. underground at that point. There like free birth wasn't even a really a word no, yet. Totally. And it was um, all of like, it was very secretive. Like I did, wasn't telling anybody and I was just like, okay, let me look into this. And I, I think I read, um, a couple books. I ordered a couple books and I got in, I ended up getting into an anonymous address. (laughs) Yes. And then I got like into, um, these different secret groups and then I would get like invites into, cause then I, I start, you start kind of in the public groups and then, you know, somebody sends you an invite and you get a little deeper and deeper into like the more OG, I guess, free birthers and not so much just newbies questions. But what was cool was that because I didn't have anywhere to look on the internet really or support around me, I ended up in a few groups where there was these free birthing mamas who had done it several times. And there was also even a couple midwives who were in support of free birth, like in the groups. And so Um, I got to just go on there and ask questions all the time. And I pretty much like every day of my pregnancy was studying birth and learning about this stuff and learning from other moms who had done it before. And yeah, there weren't, I don't remember, I was a rare person who was like, it was my first time being pregnant and studying that. Like most of the moms that had come into it came into it because they had bad experiences at first Mm -hmm. and then they found that path because of their bad experiences and so I just remember telling myself a lot like I just have to tap into the wisdom of all these mothers that have come before me and just know that like even though this is my first time and um that I have that like a whole lineage of women that have done this before me and that you exactly. don't need to first be abused yeah, to exactly. just have a normal birth. Right. Yeah. I was like, I don't have to go through that experience. I've And so I was hearing their story. Like mm-hmm. they would share a lot of what, what they went through before. And um, that was really helpful and really fueled me to be able to make a lot of decisions that um, supported me. And Throughout that whole pregnancy, I never went to a prenatal. I never got any testing or ultrasound. I just like did my own, like ate well and took care of my body. And I, I researched all the different testing, but I just ultimately was like, I'm not going to do anything unless I feel like something's off, Mm -hmm. you know, like if something comes up and I feel like it needs to be looked at, then sure, I'll open myself up to that, but I'm not going to just like willingly go and get poked and prodded and tested and whatever, and bring up like more. I just didn't, I had no desire to do that. So yeah, it was also, um, the pregnancy journey was just like kind of, it was pretty isolating because I was being secretive about my path and I didn't have like in-person support, but I was so grateful for the women online that I found you you sound like in a way you're just describing 
like a life, a chapter of your life that isn't completely overrun by fear. Yeah. Right? Like totally. it sounds yeah. like you were tuning in, you were doing what you wanted, you had a sense of self-trust, you had a sense yeah. of direction and what you wanted. And you know, that's that's all very simple, except for the fact that the vast majority of of women aren't yet tuned into how to have a pregnancy not run by fear, you know, yeah. how, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think I actually had fear, but the fear was of the abuse of like sure. getting in that. <laughs> okay, that's, that's, that like- <laughs> that's legit. That's motivating <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, like- thank God you had some awareness of the reality but, of, of yeah. what it's like in there. Yeah, I had that fear of like I don't want to go through all of that. And well, it's um, normal. Already... It's normal to feel fear and concern around being abused. It's mm-hmm. not normal to feel fear around. How do I say this? It is normal to go like you know you're in the infinite beyond of of pregnancy and da da da. But it's not. It's not. Uh, I would say like uh, the design for us to walk through a biological experience like pregnancy, yeah. motivated by fear. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I was more afraid of um, being mishandled by the medical system, which I had had experiences. You know, not pregnant, but just like when I was younger, had experiences where. I'm just like, I don't think I trust these people to mm-hmm. actually attune to me and know what I'm going through and what I need. So I had had enough experiences like that, that, yeah, I was just like, I'm afraid of that. And I really want to, um, it was also like, I knew about imprinting. I learned that at some point along the way. And I also was just like, I really want my child to have a, like, beautiful imprint at birth and come in and we can bond and not have all of this disruption and trauma. Yeah. And so what's your environmental surrounding setup? You're being secretive, but like, is your partner all down? What's your family dynamic, social dynamic? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really tell that many people that like they knew I was having a home birth. I would just say I'm having a home birth, but I wouldn't like mention anything else. And then um, my partner at the time, he was, he had actually had the experience of being at a home birth with a midwife before with a former partner. And so um, that was helpful. He was a little skeptical, like not sure, you know, not totally on board with the free birth thing, but I just explained what I wanted and um, he supported. And um, my mom knew what I was planning and I, she definitely questioned me a lot and just like, she was like, what about a, I remember her asking me like, well, what about an episiotomy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mom. <laughs> what about it? Um, she was just pretty clueless about the whole thing. And I, yeah. I just educated her on what I knew and she trusted me. And, um, my dad, they're, they're not together. And I remember him he's kind of tuned out. And so he called me like around my due time. And he said, so uh, you're going to have a, like a lady that comes, right? Like, what do they call them? Midwife. And I said, no, it's just going to be us. And 
because I was so close at that point. And he, he said, Oh, I'm not going to tell my sister or his partner. At the time. Like he was like, I have to keep this quiet because it's going to stir up so much drama. And so he knew, so I was thankful for that, that he was willing to just like yeah. ignore that and turn the other way. And, um, but yeah, I really didn't have other than the online people that I found, I didn't have anyone that I knew that I was talking to that like had really any awareness that it was even a valid option. Wow. It's so wild. Yeah. Wow. So much yeah. has changed. Yeah. I'm so Okay. Glad. So tell us your birth story. Yeah. So, um, let's see. I with so his name's Banyan, my first, and, um, with him, I went to 42 weeks. So I care. So that was like a whole navigation too. Like, you know, cause I did, I made the mistake of telling people like my due date. Mm. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think I told them the due month or I said mid December, but it was not that. And so people were asking and I was having to shoo them off. Um, and yeah, so I went into labor, uh, 42 weeks and, um, he was transverse, like, and I knew that. So he, his head was like, I can't remember which side, like I could feel him kicking on one side, his feet, and then his head on the other side, he was really cradled in my belly and I had never been pregnant before. So I didn't know actually what a gift that was because there was no pressure on my cervix at all. (laughs) (laughs) I later found that out with my other Make it lemonade. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. I was like, I had no idea. So I just thought, okay, he's laying sideways. But I really, because I had the support of these women online and stuff and learning, I knew that, you know, the baby's going to come out and I guess I'll get worried if a hand comes out first. But like right now, there's no reason to worry because I knew that and I had learned that babies will even shift like during labor and in those contractions. So I, um, so yeah, he, um, I, I'm going to try to tell the short version and just like the snippets because there's two more stories, but, um, I was in like the setting was, I was in this very old log cabin. It was built in 1897. And um, yeah, and I did have a birthing pool in the living room because honestly, at that time, like I'd only seen home births with water births and I didn't even question it. Like I was just like, oh, that's what you do. You get a pool and you set it up and it's this whole production in your living room. Um, which my second, my second and third, I didn't water birth, but, um, but I did with him. And so I had the pool and like the candles and the ambiance and I labored for quite a while by myself. My partner was sleeping. Um, it ended up being a 24 hour ordeal and, um, I, the next you know, morning, because it started at midnight. And the next day, um, I was just like in it and it was just me and my partner. And that was the plan. But we were supposed to go. Um, we were out in the country. So we were supposed to go into Asheville that day and pick up a mattress that we had ordered. And um, so I called this woman, I like had just moved to the area, I didn't really have any friends, but I called this woman or I had him call this woman 
that I had met um, briefly. And she just happened to be like in the first, like whatever session of Wapio's training when Wapio was still in Nashville. So she was doing her doula training and she had never attended a birth or anything, but she was like in that vibe. And, um, I, we called her and I said, can you deliver this mattress to us? And she was like, sure. And I'm like, I'm in labor. <laughs> sure. I'd love you. to bring you anything you want. <laughs> yeah. Right. A mattress. So sure. she, yeah. So she came and, um, that was very unplanned. And when she got there, her energy was just so pure and mm. felt so good to me actually to have her in this space I didn't have like a great dynamic with my partner at that time so mm. yeah. um it was really nice to have her there and she offered to just like leave and I said no I, I love it I love I want you here so she was there and so when things got really she must have been so stoked oh yeah she was <laughs> like some like random yeah. new free birth and chick wants her to come over that's like that's so yeah. amazing she will right never forget was, you totally right as she was going into that mm-hmm. work like uh, yeah How and, affirming. Um, yeah So, um, yeah, it was kind of my partner went to take a nap and I was like with her for a while. My, so I have a thing, I have like a lot of themes that carry over with all three births. And one of them is that my waters don't break until like the end. Um, and so I, um, yeah, I think my water broke around 8 p.m. and then um that's when things really got like heated and my partner was taking a nap and her and I were just out in the living room we had candles going and she was just singing me these beautiful songs she just like yeah she just knows all of these gorgeous hymns and like like uh, medicine songs and wow she, she's just out there and she's singing and we're in the candlelight and I'm in the water and I'm just awesome. like okay this is this is good and then um I got to a point I guess you know transition I got to a point where I hit that like I don't know if I can do this like I was I was feeling it and um but I knew I was really clear in my values and the like what I was choosing. But I I spoke that out loud to her. I looked at her, I remember looking at her and it's like candle lit. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And she looked back at me and she's just like, I'll be right back. And she got up and she went in the other room and she woke up my partner because she just knew. She was like, oh yeah, okay, you're close. And I was so thankful for that, that she like was able to just hold that sweet presence. And, um, and then, um, he came out and got in the, in the pool with me and, oh goodness, there were so many little things. Like I, um, yeah, I felt down there and I, I thought I was, I felt something squishy and I thought I was feeling the cord, you know, like I had heard about cord prolapse and I was like, can you look? And so, um, they shined, a, she shined a light and saw hair and, you know, my son was just crowning and, um, and then, yeah, I just felt so much relief. And then I, so there was like, because it was my first, you know, there was some like 
am I, I going to be okay? And, um, and then he came out. I did not push like voluntarily because I had learned about the fetal ejection reflex and I was actually like resisting pushing, you know, like I could feel him crap, like the crowning and the, and I was just kind of like waiting and not trying to make anything happen. And, um, and he came out and oh, it was just like such a beautiful, beautiful moment. And um trying to think, oh, so, okay. The other theme that runs through all three births is that my, once the babies are out, my placentas I don't like have contractions or an urge to push or I don't like birth my placentas in the, in the way that I've heard of. And so after he came out, you know, I went and like squatted over a bowl and I tried to kind of push a little bit and nothing happened. And I, um, waited and like hours went by and I was nursing him and, he was still, you know, attached with the cord and the placenta was still in me. And um, even though I had heard like, you know, an hour or whatever that you're supposed to get it out, I just, I was so in the moment with him and with the baby, like with the whole thing that I, um, I wasn't really concerned about it. And then I think we took a nap and by the time then it had been like 16 hours or something. And I was like, Oh, I guess I should probably <laughs> figure this out. Like I, then I started getting a little worried. And so yeah. I went on the group and I said, Hey, it's been like 16 hours since my birth. And I've tried, I was trying like smelling pepper, like black pepper to sneeze to get, to get it out and all these funny things. And I just didn't know. And so, um, I got on a phone call with someone in the group and she just asked some questions about blood loss and like verified that it seemed like I was fine and that it was just kind of like lodged, like hanging out up there. And, um, and so I asked my partner, he just like kind of gently tugged on the cord while I gave a good push and it came right out and it was like the best feeling ever. So there was a little bit of stress right at, after that, that um, I just wasn't expecting that because everything I had seen was just like, yeah, then you birth your placenta. So um, in the next couple births, I did not wait that long and just waited a couple hours and then um, and then tugged on the cord myself and pushed it out. So um, I'm wondering if there's anything else about Okay, wait, I have a question. Yeah. Is this angel woman still in your life? Yes, definitely. So does she go um, on to become a midwife? Like what's what she was doing? Yeah, she was doing doula work for a while and she attended a lots of births and very like hands-off, just beautiful, supportive ways. And um now she's actually doing death doula work and she's like um she's working. Yeah. She's just doing beautiful work in the world. She's working with um, moms who have lost children and um, creating like spaces for them. Or, um, yeah. And she also was the one who first told me about ghee. 
so after yeah so after very important this is a very important woman for you (laughs) yeah um yeah she after I had him and he was like a little bit fussy and we were nursing and she was like maybe cut out dairy and you can eat ghee and she taught me how to make it and then I ended up creating a ghee business years later so yeah so she catalyzed a lot but um yeah she's still in my life and still a really dear friend so then who are you as you have this baby and, and learn motherhood and have this birth at your back? What what yeah. wants to get said to get us into the next pregnancy? Yeah. I feel like having that experience really helped me. It, for me, it was like such a powerful initiation into trusting myself as a mom and trusting my intuition and being able to make decisions that maybe would seem like radical or whatever to other people. But I feel like it, the way that I navigated pregnancy and birth, like helped me um, make decisions from that point forward that were just really clear in my boundaries, really prioritizing like myself and family and, um, yeah, like I think it influenced all kinds of ways that I parent after that. And um, I had, I had the other thing that was really cool about my friend Siobhan is that because she was in the Matrona class and I didn't really have any friends, like I said, I just moved to the area. And so she went back to her class and she told them this beautiful free birth story and they all, she made a meal train for me and they all oh, signed up on the meal train. Oh my God. Uh, women are <laughs> and, so amazing. Yeah. So I had all of these women that were in that oh, field coming wow. and bringing me meals and tending to me wow. and like becoming, that became my community. And that really wow. opened me up to like, yeah, community and kind of building like a village around myself and that being is around so people. Epic. Who yeah, it was you just amazing. like land into that. Damn, yeah, that so yeah. awesome. And I okay, can you bring met- this bring this angel woman to MRF with you? <laughs> yeah, I'll ask. I'll invite her. She and I just randomly met her. We were at a um, music festival, and I asked to try on her boots. Cause I, I liked her boots and I was like, yeah. can I try those on? I think I want to get some of those boots. And that's how yeah. we met. It was just like this random, like, love it. I like your boots. And then she, just I mean, boot love, like boot love is a deep love. Yeah. That, that, that actually you makes need sense good boots. Yeah. Yeah. Good boots matter. <laughs> especially if you live in the mountains. <laughs> exactly. If they're styly and good for your feet, I, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. yours. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so then it well, sounded like maybe you switch partners when we get into the second baby. No, so so I had the same partner for my second okay. baby and um was still just trying to make it work with him and he's he's awesome to co-parent with and he supported my birth choices and like nice. parenting style so that's been great but like as far as a romantic partner it was just like not not a match. Um so he um yeah so we we had a rocky relationship though and like even in my second pregnancy I was um 
I moved, I actually moved out. I left, I moved to a different place onto some friend's land. And I was living in this broken down school bus with my one-year-old band oh, at the time. And then his dad was like living in a, you know, in the area, but in a different place. And we were trying to work it out. And um, so that pregnancy was pretty, pretty rough um, yeah. because I was just like trying to find my ground and figure out if I was going to be in that relationship and all of that. And I was living in this broken down school bus and I was due in like late June and it was super hot. And Mm. so um, I was very clear, like, I don't want to be, I don't want to have my baby in this bus that's on this friend's land. And a friend suggested, she's like, well, I have a teepee. I could just put up a teepee for you. And I was like, Mm. that sounds great. Let's do that. So, um, and then that was cool. Like we didn't have poles for it. So a couple guy, like of my friend's partners went and harvested bamboo and like it was this whole ceremony where people came together and put up this birth teepee for me. And, um, at that point I was really clear two things had really come become clear from my first birth. And one was that I, I was like, I don't want a water birth. They were trying, we'll set up a pool or a thing. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like I'm, cause what I noticed with my water birth with Bannon is that the being in the pool and being set there, like felt restrictive to me. Totally. Like I wanted I to move more. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like it actually. And so <laughs> I was like, no, I'm really clear. I want to be on land and I want to like, I don't want to have the restriction of the pool or bathtub. And so that was clear. And then the other thing was that I was like, I really want to labor alone and like spend more time, like not having other people in my field and really like be able to tune in. Cause I do feel like with my first, I was kind of looking out a little more than like to my friend that was there or to my partner. Which I do think Um, kind of is the, like that is the evolution yeah. that we see that I think is really sweet like, and understandable and like kind of how it, yeah. goes, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So um, some friends set up this teepee and, you know, again, I was like over my 40 week time and I, um, and it wasn't ready. It was like, we barely, we didn't have anything in there. And I started, um, having contractions and we started preparing the space, me and my partner. And, um, and again, I so didn't, wait, was he, were you living in the TP? So no, I was living next. So there was a broken down school bus oh, that we still were in living there. in. And then the TP was right I next see. to, to the bus. And then and so- your partner was living elsewhere, but he, he was living came. elsewhere, but he came. Yeah. Okay. He was like, we were trying to figure it out. And so he was there and, um, and I went into labor and the next morning after kind of having a night thing, I remember, um, I was out there and he was like trying to move a futon into the teepee to just have some cush and like putting like a compost toilet in there, like a bucket basically in there and getting it comfortable for me. And this huge downpour came and water was like flooding into the teepee because they hadn't built a trench around it. Oh, and no. so I'm like mid in between contractions, like sweeping <laughs> water. Damn. Hey, that keeps it real. <laughs> Doesn't that make you appreciate just like how far we've come? 
Yeah. And so him and a friend who showed up dug a trench really quick. They resolved it. It was fine. We got it all cozy. And then that next night, that was also this second labor was a longer labor, which is interesting because everybody told me like, mm -hmm. oh, it'll be faster. And it wasn't. But I think it was because I had one really clear intention, which I'll share. But um, the second night, I remember I was alone. There was a fire in there and I was just like in my groove and my partner was actually going and just warning some neighbors like, hey, my, she's in labor. Don't call the police if you hear her screaming or something. And a friend showed up, this guy. And I remember he was, he's like, hello, Marion. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm okay. And it's just, I remember he was like very like, oh my gosh, she's just in there by herself in the teepee in labor. Um, but he was chill and he left and it was fine. So the reason why I think um, that labor was longer was because I had a really clear intention that I wanted my son there. Mm. And he was 18 months at the time. And um, I really wanted him to be a part of it because he was still breastfeeding. And I just like felt like it would be a really good bonding experience for him to like be in that energy with his new sibling coming in. And so, um, so yeah, I think I kind of jinxed the timing because I made it longer <laughs> because it ended up working out where when she came, um, it was like perfect timing in the afternoon, right after he woke up from his nap and the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I'll go into that. So I had not invited anybody to that birth. And I'd even told my partner, like, I don't even really want you there. I kind of just want to have a bell and like ring it if I need something. And you can like, I'll call you in like when the baby's actually coming out kind of thing. And you can bring in Banyan, y'all can come in. And, but I think because it was going on so long, he just like started telling people. And so friends kind of started congregating outside, which was not like what I would have asked for at all. Oh. Um, but it ended up being that it was friends who like really could hold the space and it ended up being really sweet. Actually, there was one friend who I, I told him to have her leave because she had like recently had a traumatic Aww. birth experience and I could just like sense her yeah. fear and I just was like I don't want that here but everyone else was just like out there um and I wasn't I didn't even like it was like they weren't there for me um but the moment that I really appreciated was really close to her coming out um I was so I was walking the teepee in a circle and every time that I would have a contraction, I would just like hold on to one of the poles and squat down and like, like hang from it. And I love that like rhythmic, just like walking the circle. It was such a beautiful place to give birth. Um, and same thing, like the waters broke on the, but it was like on the earth, which is really cool. And there's like mm. this whole like flower field where the teepee used to be where oh. her like where she was born um or this like little like circle of poppies so anyway that's um, cute yeah so I um 
the women who were outside of the teepee were singing. And I just remember, like, I wasn't tuned in to the fact that anyone was out there until there was this moment where I'm walking and I'm stopping and like being with the surges. And I hear this just light, gentle tapping of rain on the teepee canvas with Mm. the background of these women's voices And they're singing this song that they learned in the Matrona. And the verse that I hear is, um, it's like, so birth my sister's birth, draw your strength up from the earth, for how you birth is what you are, and you're wise in the ways of the woman by far. Wow. So I had never heard that song until that moment and then I'm just like in it and I'm hearing these this like chorus of my friend of these women singing (sighs) this to me while like my daughter is about to come out and it was just like the most beautiful euphoric feeling that I've really ever had like that that was just it was incredible and then I felt like I was getting really close. And so I, yeah, rang my little bell and my partner <laughs> came in. I love it. <laughs> he came in and brought my son. And I didn't ask him to do this, but he actually just stood way back, my partner, and snapped some pictures from my phone. And those are the pictures that I sent you a couple of years ago. Um, and my son, who was 18 months, like, was so present and he um her head emerged out of me and there's this picture where he's just standing there and he's pointing to her head and he's just saying baby 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 and he was just like he was basically like the midwife like he's just like right there like ready to receive her um and my partner was standing back taking photos and I was really grateful he did because those are so precious to me to see um Banyan like welcoming his sister into the world and they have such a karmic connection they have each other's half birthdays oh cute yeah yeah so um, and is her name poppy <laughs> her name is maple oh cute. <laughs> yeah Banyan and maple my little did you sapling. name all your kids trees I did it not the last one um <laughs> so I can And actually I didn't name, so because I free birthed and I like didn't have to do a birth certificate or anything, I didn't name my kids for a long time. Like Like, how long? um, Banyan, I gave him his name at his first birthday. What? Yeah. What did you call him? We called him (laughs) Boo-Boo. Oh people, my God. It was so funny because people would be like, what's your baby's name? And I'd just be like, boo-boo. Boo-boo. I named him boo-boo. <laughs> but, um, we, um, Siobhan, oh. my friend who was there at his birth, said that she had heard of people like waiting and just feeling it out. And so I did that. And we had this fun like naming ceremony at his Cute. first birthday. And um, I knew his name for a while before that. But I really like I actually also did. You you mentioned like you kind of came into a new family name. And I did that, too. I had a dream that his last name was Hearth. And then I ended up taking on that name, too. And that's like our whole family name. And 
Um, did, did the partner that you're no longer with, does he also have that last name? Yeah, he took on that last name, not legally, but he like, okay. he, he joined the matriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and so, yeah, so, um, and then with Maple, I also, we, we also did a naming ceremony for her at her first birthday, but I didn't even catch any wind of her name until she was like six months old. Wow. And What'd you call her? I had no idea. Hmm? What'd you um, call we her? Just called her? We just called her baby girl. Oh <laughs> Very original. Baby girl. Oh, um, wow. Was it hard to get a birth certificate waiting that long? So, okay. <laughs> I was very in the, the sovereign citizens camp at mm -hmm. that time and um, was very on the fence of whether or not I was going to get them or if I was going to wait until they were older and could choose. And, um, and so I didn't get their either of theirs. Um, but I've had, I've done like the whole paperwork process for the delayed birth certificates. And um, I think it's going to be a fairly straightforward thing. I know a couple other people who've done it and I'm planning to do it this year because with my third, I did, I did, we did just get hers. Um, so you didn't then, get birth certificates, but you're going mm -hmm. to now. Yeah, I'm going to now. They're um, nine and 11. And I think that, yeah, it's going to. Okay. Two follow-up questions real quick. So yeah. that would also mean they don't have socials. Mm -hmm. And so forgive my ignorance, but does that mean you haven't traveled with them? That means they can travel domestically. Like they can go on a flight well, yeah. in the U S but they can't. Um, and I tried, so I know one family who like was able to somehow get passport, a passport for their baby without the social and birth certificate. Um, and I thought that I could do that, but I tried to do it and it right. wasn't, okay. it wasn't going to work. So, um, so what yeah. changed for you? that you weren't going to do it and now you are? I just over, you know, the last like 11 years since I made that decision with them, because they were very close, 18 months apart. Um, I just realized like, I'm not sure that the pros are weighing out the cons. Like yeah, I haven't yeah. been able to claim them on taxes. I haven't like, oh, dear. yeah, like it's, and I'm just like, is this really worth it and I think that I was doing it in like a protective way of like I don't need to get my kids in the system right away and they can get in there later but I did make sure to get like a proof of pregnancy like forms and stuff like that and got my paperwork so that I would have it so that it would be easier when I was ready to get it um so yeah I I just this time I'm like I don't I don't think that I need to do that. And I feel ready to get, get them for my older kids. There's been, a, um, there, there's a lot, it's a question I get a lot. There's a lot of interest yeah. in my community around it. And I'm not an expert on it because I did choose to get it because I pretty much was like, the juice is worth the squeeze. Like yeah. the benefits that my kids slash I get from documenting them and registering them yeah, is worth it. Also, I do live in the system. Like, yeah. like you just said, like kind of the irony is like the paying taxes. Like yeah. I pay taxes. My, I'm, yeah. I'm here. I'm right. here <laughs> participating yeah. totally. in this society. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. You know, the whole free birth thing. And, and, you know, it's like, it's like pick and choose 
you know, not just pick and choose your battles, but also um, what's that terrible expression? It, I wish I knew a better one, but like not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> it's a terrible expression, it's especially so for this podcast. Yeah. But like there's lots of wonderful aspects of right. the society I choose to live inside yeah, of, you definitely. know, and there is yeah. a give take. Yeah. I think that at that phase in my life, I just didn't know if I was like going off grid and like what things were going to be like, like I just, and I was new at parenting. So I Mm -hmm. was just like kind of leaning more towards like that, um, that radical way. But Mm -hmm. now I have a business and I filed taxes and like, you know, so I think I was just kind of young and like trying to mm-hmm. get free. And um, to me, that just felt like the right thing at that time. And in hindsight, I'm like, mm, I probably should have just got mm-hmm. got the things done rather than having to do it now. And when I just recently went, me and my partner just recently went and got um, the birth certificate and social for our seven month old daughter. And um, it was so chill and like not as intimidating or cre- weird as I thought you're like while I'm like, here could I get a yeah. threefer <laughs> I, I actually have these them. other older kids yeah I told them I was like so do y'all do delayed birth certificates <laughs> and they were like sorry we can't do that here you got to go to the the capital like so I'm going to be on that journey um but I mm-hmm. I feel good about that it'll be fair I've done all the paperwork I just have totally. to send it in I um, mean they want you to do it yeah, so exactly. if you want yeah. to do it I'm sure yeah. They're going to help me find a way. Yeah. Okay. So then big changes between the second and the third. Yeah. Whole new partners in town. So what what happens? Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, like right after my baby was born, I started goddess ski and that really helped me get out of that relationship and us Mm. into a good co-parenting dynamic because that was just not a relationship I was really going to thrive in. And, um, and then what, like, I mean, my maple is nine years apart from my new baby. So I had a big window there and I definitely for a while was like, I would love to have, have that experience of having a baby with somebody that I actually want to be with and that I love. And Cause I didn't get to have that the first time I had these like amazing birth experiences and like postpartum support and community and like very beautiful mothering journey, but things with my partner, you know, just, it was like, I didn't, I didn't have, there was something that I wasn't getting the experience of in that. And so I, um, yeah, got together with my current partner a little over two years ago and he's a little younger and I was like getting, I'm, I'm about to turn 40. And so like, you know, he asked me, do you want to have, well, actually, okay. So Maple, the first time that she met him, we're all having dinner and he and I just, we were newly dating and he and I had been dating for like a couple months. And, um, she looks across the table at me and she says, mom, do you want to have more kids? And she had never, this was not a conversation that we were talking about and at she's all. she's like seven. 
Yeah. And she's yeah. seven <laughs> and he's there for the first time. And I'm kind of embarrassed because I'm like, oh my gosh, we're just newly getting to know each other. And this is not like something that Welcome I Welcome really to dating a mom. <laughs> and so she asked that and I was like, oh, why do you ask? I don't know. And, you know, there was something in my heart that was really like, yeah, I would love to have another baby or two, like with somebody that I'm stoked to be with. And, um, and so then she kept asking, like when he would come around, she would ask him if he wanted to have kids. She was like really on the case. And then we started talking about it. And then yep. I was getting pretty clear hits that I wanted. Yeah. That I was ready. And, um, he was still like, I don't know, trying to figure it out, but, um, we conceived and it, the due date was like a day apart from Maple's like kind of thing and maple was like the baby's gonna come on my birthday and everybody was like are you sure you want the baby to come on your birthday don't you want your own and she's like she's a cancer and she's like so nurturing and she's like no 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 this is my baby i called this baby in like this baby's coming on my birthday and um sure enough her sister she had a baby sister on her birthday wow And I remember my partner just told me the other day that I was like deep in labor and I looked at him and I was like, Maple's such a witch (laughs) while I was in it because I realized like it's her day. It's her baby too. It's her baby. And so, yeah, so they have the same birthday and then they have, they share a half birthday, half birthday with her. That's a trip. So cool. Um, So anyway, so this time, um, yeah, my partner definitely didn't have any birth experience or free birth like awareness but he knew that I had done that with my other two yeah. and he was like That's super on board just yeah trusting of my decision and um he had a little bit of anxiety coming up when it was getting closer to the birth of like holding that role and that responsibility and he he's really, he like facilitates men's circles and is like deep in men's work stuff. And so, um, he has a lot of support there. And he asked me if his like bro, like his best guy could just like be on the land to support him, but not me. And I was like, um, as long as he, yeah, (laughs) he was like, I was like, as long as he can just like really stay out of the space. And, um, cause he wanted, I think he was like, I, can't I don't just text him. This is somebody who like, I felt really comfortable with. And I was like, yeah, if he can like hold the space and not be in our space at all, but like just be tending a fire, like over on the land over there then um I'm fine if you want to have like someone here he just did, I think my partner you, was did you just birth in like a boring old house this time <laughs> so this time yeah I really would have loved to birth in a teepee again but we we live on like a cliff like the side of a mountain and so um there's there was no flat space so we oh, live okay. in a yurt our yurt is like on the edge of the mountain kind of thing and then we built right up until like literally this cabin that I'm in right now um is next to our yurt and it's our bedroom or we call it the nest because we were building it as I was pregnant and it was complete like we moved our bed in the day before I went into labor um 
So we were in this, this is like our birthing nest that I'm in right now. And yeah, I'm just a boring, <laughs> brand new <laughs> little cabin. Um, and I, um, let's see, what are some people? So he really, he was like feeling some nervousness and just wanted like someone else like that he feels like he could like fall into if he was having a hard time or something. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I trust is our friend Hunter. I was like, I trust him to, to like hold it down and be, be over there. And, um, so mostly it was just us and I, um, really with him, it's interesting. Like with my other partner, with the second time I was like, I don't even really want you around. Like I really want to be in my own field where my relationship with my partner now is like, so much more intimate and I really trust him. He's held like immaculate space for me going through like deep processes before. And I just know that like, I love having him there. And so I really trusted him to be like right there and like with me. And so, um, yeah, so it was like a very way more sensual, um, like kissing and just like being we like had this whole set up this whole birth altar and candles and music and it was just like a very um more like I would say romantic experience um and it and I never even saw his friend Hunter really like he was outside like tending a fire like away from us and he like he wasn't really in this space at all and um yeah and so that labor that process was like 22 hours which is my shortest yet <laughs> I'm like what is with this and same thing like oh one thing I didn't share about Maple's birth which I could send you a gory picture is that at some point I felt this little bubble like I never check myself or put my fingers in there or anything during any of my births or do any stuff like that but I at some point just like touched down there and I felt this little bubble and I told her dad I bring my bell and I told her dad and he came in and he's like, Oh my gosh. And he takes a picture and it looks like I'm birthing a pearl because the bag of waters is like, mm. it's like this translucent white, cool. like beautiful bubble coming out. He's like, it looks like you're birthing a pearl. Which is, yeah. Um, and then that ended up happening again this time where I like felt down there and felt something. And I was like, Oh yeah, I know what this is. And we took, I took a selfie picture of it. And this time it was more of like a blue translucent bubble. Um, and then very shortly after that, my water broke. And then it was probably about two hours until she came out. And I, towards the end, was very, getting very tired. And so I was kind of like on my ass, just like on the sheepskin rug on the floor. And I was tired and I was kind of like pretty over it. <laughs> And, um, and then my partner had hung a, a sheet from the loft. I'm sitting up in a loft. So like from the beam that the loft is on, he hung a sheet. And, um, at one point he was like, um, said something like, do you want to get up? And I was just like, yes, I definitely have to get up. I know that this baby wants to come out and I'm just resisting yeah. it. I'm like trying to just like buckle down on the floor. And so I got up and I walk over to the sheet to go hang on it and squat. And he starts heading for the door to go like switch out the laundry or something. And I'm like, no, don't leave. 
catch the baby. He was just not expecting that I was that close. And he like kind of dives back over and because, um, and I wasn't even expecting this at all. I don't even know why. So I think it was just instinctual that I was like, cause I was holding on, like I, I was like holding on the sheet like that and squatting. And, um, she just flew out of me in one swoop which was the first time that's happened normally like their heads come out and mm-hmm. they're, it's like a slower process but she just shot out like a slippery rocket and he caught her so I was really glad that because I was like I couldn't mm-hmm. I love the idea of catching my own ba- like women catching their own babies and I'm I like can't figure I it physically out. like do I don't not- know <laughs> I don't understand <laughs> understand either and so I've never yeah so it was really great to just be able to like hang and squat and then she just like slipped right out into his hands and um he just immediately burst into tears and he said like for him it was like when her body like came into his hands that he just like had this access to all of life and this like portal that it's like, it was pretty indescribable, but it was just like a very, very magical moment for him. And you could see it in him. Like he was just instantly crying and, um, such a beautiful, I think like a really beautiful imprint on like their bond. Um, and then immediately, like, you know, she was with me in nursing and, um, yeah, it was, it was epic. And then, same thing. I mean, because I've lived in this area now and how all these connections, we just had like a really amazing postpartum. I feel like the best I've had, you know, it, I had, I've had it good, like all three times, but this was, um, just so much support and sweetness and got to really do it well. Hmm. So yeah. was Maple bummed? She didn't get to be at the birth. You know, I asked them if they wanted to be, I gave them the option and they didn't for some reason. Like they were like, no, we're okay. Just call us when the baby comes out. And um, they just happened to be at their dad's when it happened. And so they weren't even here. And um, I think it was, yeah, fine that way for me. Like I liked the intimacy of Mm -hmm. just like me and my partner and yeah. yeah. And they, I, if they had wanted to, then I would have loved to welcome them there, but they weren't, they weren't really like, they were like, we want to just be right oh, there. Yeah. Right. And so they were, they came over pretty much right away and saw her. And then, so with this one's name, everybody was like, yeah, is it going to be another tree? And I was like, I don't know. It's not really, I just kind of, is she even going to get a name? Yeah. <laughs> the first um, question. <laughs> totally. So yeah, we waited. It was probably like a couple months and I, I had a pretty strong intuition that her name was going to come to my partner, even though my other ones like came through me and the like, it was, it was very much me that did it. Um, I just was kind of like, I'm going to wait and see what comes through him. And then if I don't like it, then I'll just veto. And, (laughs) um, and so I, um, yeah, one day he was just like washing dishes or whatever in the yurt and he comes out and he's like, I just had this name just drop in like out of nowhere. And um, I was like, what is it? And he says marrow, like the marrow bone. And I just instantly like teared up and had chills. And I was like, that's such a deep, powerful, beautiful name. And 
let's just like sit with it. And um, he looked up the etymology, which is like really such a beautiful, beautiful name and not anything that I'd ever heard of. And, um, and I could tell that it like came like in a way that wasn't from him. He was just like, whoa, this just came. And I, um, and yeah, I just kind of like, we kept looking at her over the next few weeks and just like trying it on and asking if there was any other name and like nothing else was there. And it was just so clear. So what if it was like, what if it was like, <laughs> I just got the name, like it just landed and you're like, what? And, and he's like, he's like, Kathy. Right. Tanya. <laughs> just like, like just some really average totally. American name. Totally. Uh, <laughs> no, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, I would have just been like, no, no way. He yeah, no, people... I'm not hating on Kathy's. That's a maternal no. maternal family yeah. name yeah. for for my Kathy. lineage. Yeah. But yeah, like not something like banned. Like or a normal, or yeah. Yeah. Um, I know. Well, it was funny when we were, when she was an infant and we didn't have a name yet and people would ask us what the name is. And he would very seriously look at them and say, bile. And what would they do? They were just like, oh, cool. Like not like, act, or, or if they knew his personality, they would be like, whatever, what's her mm-hmm. name? Um. So yeah, there was a lot of joking around like weird names and stuff, but so did he take yes. the the Hearth last name? He is not. He was very open to her having my like you know she my last our family. Yeah, totally. Um, so that wasn't an issue for him at all. But he hasn't like taken that on. Um, which is interesting. Maybe I don't know. He's gonna listen to this. So <laughs> wait. So is your legal last name Hearth? No, it's not. So I haven't changed it legally, okay. but now, so really technically Mero is the first one who has le- the legal last name Hearth because my other two, their birth certificates right. are like pending. So they right. will. And then I haven't changed it legally. Um, and who knows, maybe, maybe at some point that will happen for him, but he's not worried about it. And he's happy with her having the same last name as me. And if you guys do a legal... <laughs> If you do a legal marriage, you can get your last names changed for free. Yeah. Versus yeah, we, like it's like 500 bucks or something to do it right. on your own. Yeah. We're talking about um, marriage at some point, ceremony, and like, do we want a legal, do we want to do a legal thing or not or whatever? And so that's like still, we're kind of doing things backwards. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. There's no way. There's no one way. Right. You started you started the whole episode saying you were on the rebel path. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, so tell um, us yeah. before we close out, tell us about this, you know, cool new program you're cooking up and mm-hmm. where women can find you. Yeah. So yeah, so for the last 12 years since I've been on this path, I've pretty much been just um sharing and teaching and mentoring like anybody who will listen and friends along the way. And I've turned several friends on to the free birth path or taught people about um, just like rant, like attachment parenting values. And um, recently, and I've known for a while that this really feels like my soul work. And um, now that my business goddess key feels a little more like stable and I don't have to tend to that as much. And I have this new baby. I have a lot of 
excitement into putting some more energy into this work. So I'm starting a website just under my name, Marion Hearth. Um, and I also have an Instagram under that same name. And I'm launching a 13 week group container that um, basically just supports people in um, navigating decisions through like early, like stepping into motherhood and that initiation. So there will be um, lots of stuff around attachment parenting and um, obviously free birth stuff. Um, and I'm just going to be sharing all the things like breastfeeding mentorship and, um, co-sleeping elimination communication. I did zero diapers on my last two babies. Nice. Um, yeah. And I tried it with my first and like kind of half-assed it a little bit and also did cloth diapers, but with my last two, they've never, they never wore a diaper from birth. Okay. That's, um, that's amazing. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. It's been from awesome. birth. Yeah. From birth. I never, ever put a diaper on maple or marrow. And Marrow seven months and like going on the potty, like we just have a little potty and put her Can on Let me just take a beat there real quick. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, does obviously different ages, like they do different stuff, but it's never been in a diaper. Okay. So be honest. How often mm-hmm. does she shit and piss on you? Be honest. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and like, is there any sort of cueing that's going on at seven months? Yeah. Yeah. So or is um, it mostly preventative? It's so it's kind of a mixture of both. So I, I noticed at birth really early on, like right out, out of the womb, the babies will start to squirm and like, you know, when they have to pee or they have to eliminate, they'll get all squirmy and fussy. And so you can kind of tell, mm-hmm. but then, so it's still like that, like she'll kick and kind of squirm, but then um, also we know her rhythm. So like right after she nurses, I know yeah. she's going to pee a couple times, like, and, um, pooping, um, she went through a phase like when she was an infant it was very sporadic and random so it was like okay we're just she's squirting every time she pees kind of thing but then that leveled out after a couple months and we um went through a nice phase where she would only poop in the morning right when she woke up so like right when she woke up put her on the potty she'd poop and then the rest of the day is just pee Lately, we've had a couple of like a couple surprises, mm-hmm. and with EC, it just like there's ebbs and flows with the whole thing, and yeah. you just kind of got to ride it out. But I can honestly say because I cloth diapered my first, that like I got pooped on anyway, like the blowout diapers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Not like like I still there was still like crazy messy like blowout diaper situations when I was diapering, so not anything like more crazy than that and um but arguably a diaper the poop's going in the diaper not well I don't know maybe I just have like not very good cloth diapers because I feel like it would just like come out of the side okay fair enough (laughs) yeah I've only ever known one other woman who this woman Amanda who's a free birther in California who I met her daughter who's like maybe four months old or something. And she Mm -hmm. just pulled her out of the car seat with no diaper. And it was this little baby who's never had a diaper on her and her little tiny butt in her jumper because there was no diaper and was like, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. 
Yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing. And it worked really well with Maple. Like, you know, I found that it wasn't really any more work than diapering. It just requires you to be more present in the moment and you have to be like more on it in that moment. Right. Sure. So it's kind of like you, you do it. It's like, cause Bannon, like he would never stay in a wet diaper. So as soon as his diaper was wet, I had to change him anyway. So I'm really Mm just like putting that effort ahead of the thing and just Mm -hmm. doing it beforehand. And, um, so now I, we were making sounds for her to cue her to go, but now she just knows, like I just set her on the potty Mm -hmm. and she knows, or if I hold her in that position with my hands under her thighs and I just say pee, (laughs) she just, Hey baby. And now, yeah. And so now I'm starting to teach her sign language. So I'm doing like the potty sign when I go so that pretty soon she'll be able to do that Mm -hmm. and let me know when she wants to go to the potty. Um, I feel like we were doing really good with our boy until he started walking. And then like, yeah, it's just a whole new world with the walking and he's so on the move, you know? Yeah. Doing his thing. I mean, the poop we have, he, he, same thing. He just wakes up, poops in the potty. That's fine. That's not yeah. an issue. But when we do have the random later in the day poops, there's no, like, he, yeah. there, it's completely, whereas Sunier, my daughter at the same age, she would come over and get us and be like, mm, 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 and like, she did not want to poop in her diaper. Yeah. Sawyer just seems like he could care less, even though we've done all the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they're all a little Girls different. Girls boys too. drool. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Maybe the name of your episode. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I um yeah, it's one thing I do notice though with doing the EC from birth is that they tend to have like there's I remember learning like there's this whole like um urinary sphincter muscle that when babies just go in diapers all the time and they're not having to kind of contract and hold it until they get to the potty, then they start to lose the tone in that. And then they, um, they don't have as much muscle tone there. And so then they're more likely to kind of just go, um, uncontrollably. And so when you do it, like I noticed for her, you know, she'll hold, like, she'll be like, uh, you know, holding it until she, um needs to go and she won't you know just like hold it forever if we're not available she'll just go but like um so I think that I think it can help it to do it pretty consistently and from the from the get-go yeah you do really have to be on it and you have to have like you know it'd be hard to do it if I was just doing it myself and my partner wasn't on board or a present or somebody like other people weren't helping with it so um yeah so yeah, I'm gonna do like a whole 13 week cool group that each week will like really dig into different topics. And this is one of them. And then um, you know, birth. My whole like I don't I think that there's a lot of people who aren't ready to free birth, or maybe it's like not for them yet. But like my whole teaching and philosophy is that. Um, kind of thinking of free birth as the default, like everyone should learn about free birth and know about this, about how birth works and like this whole thing, because even if they're having going to have like a plan to go somewhere else or to whatever birth center, well, free birth is basically just like not fucking it up. Yeah. It's like (laughs) biological birth. Right. Is basically free birth. 
Yeah. And then how much do you want to like intervene and fuck it up? Exactly. And I think that I, I've noticed, I've heard a lot of stories about people's like midwives, like being stuck in traffic or people like on their way to the hospital. I'm like, you have to first learn about just like the basic biological birth process and be ready to take self-responsibility. And, and then like, well, that's if what you no want... one's ready to do. Right. And so <laughs> I want to teach that. I want to like talk about that, like the self-responsibility that has to come first before yeah. you even start thinking about like a birth team or who you're going to invite or who you have there because well, um, people are ultimately... so confused about the concepts of safety and risk and responsibility and outsourcing. And, you know, right. again, like we said at the beginning, people are so afraid and and ignorant. You yeah. know, the thing that's interesting about self-responsibility is like, you can think you're going to get out of it by hiring a provider, but let's say in a, in an average birth experience in the hospital, um, you're abused, you are drugged up, your baby's born on drugs, your baby's separated from you, you have um, trauma, you know, in, yeah. in, inherent to the experience. Uh-huh. Who's living with that? Your doctor that just abused you and cut you and drugged you up goes home. You know, right. you and your baby are living with that. So do you get out of it even when you like think you can get out of it? Because you still have okay. to live with yeah. the story that you gave your baby and the outsourcing and all of that. So it kind of right. goes in this interesting spin of like, because I've had many, many mothers contact me and be like, I'm not ready to take responsibility for my birth. Yeah. I'm like, okay, great. Except that you're the only one living your life. And yeah. so ultimately it is your responsibility. If, well, yeah. and like, even you, you do, you just don't get out of it ready or not. Right. You don't get out of it. Yeah. And what I've seen over the years and actually, you know, when I entered this path, um, choosing a free birth for myself, I wasn't necessarily thinking that I was going to start like preaching it to the world. I was just like, this is what's right for me. But the further that I get on this path and the more experiences I have with my own birth stories, but mostly with hearing other people's birth stories, it actually has fueled me to be like, wow, this is so essential to learn this stuff because I, I live in a very crunchy alternative, like subculture and home birth is very the norm here. And I could tell you at least half of the home birth stories that I hear end up in the hospital of course Um, and that's probably gender honestly it's probably more like three quarters of them end up in the hospital of course um well but they're not home births they're medical midwife supervised managed exactly and what I hear in those stories all of the time is the responsibility being on the other people that were there like the 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 stories are always like and then they made me do this and Mm. they And it was there, it was other people's fault that I had this experience. And Mm -hmm. so I'm like, my whole thing is like, we have to change the language. We have to totally like re-language how we talk about birth experiences and whose responsibilities and all of that. You'll change change the language when you grow up. Yeah. Yeah. The language, I don't know if the language really comes first. I think it's, it's growing up comes first because saying things like they I had to, and they made me is what a baby says. That's what a little four-year-old says. A grown-ass woman doesn't speak that way. Right. Totally. And like, I feel like that for me 
and I don't know why, but for some reason, when I was pregnant with my son and I started learning these things, like I was making that transition from maiden to mother to like coming into, I'm now, I'm now the parent and I don't have to listen to what my parents are going to tell me to do about this. Cause if I like was still in my child self then I would have wanted to appease Mm -hmm. my mom or my dad and do it the way that they want to have wanted me to do it or society. And but because I was like, oh, okay, now like I have this child in my womb, I'm I'm now responsible to making like yep. decisions that are not, and nobody else can make those for me. And I think that's a huge thing that a lot of people miss. And I see it all the time, not just in birth, but like in parenting, like lots of people, you know, oh, I don't like it that my kids are like on these iPads all the time and playing with toy guns and I'm like well why are they and they're like because their grandparents gave it to them we for have Christmas. to and I don't I'm know like, how to eat a meal without my kid being screened right and I'm like <clears throat> okay well you have to yeah like when did you actually make that shift to like you're the parent your society is not your child's parent your grandpa the grandparents aren't your child's parent you're the parent so or are they yeah yeah okay and we I have to go like yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. so that's my whole mission is I'm yes. like I want to help people like step into that yeah, yeah. and hopefully before they're pregnant but grow yes up. exactly and awesome. hopefully before so if they're you pregnant, are listening if you're listening and you know that there are parts of you that are still a child and you're ready to grow up because you're becoming a mom or you already are a mom check out Marianne's work join her container mm-hmm. find her you. on Instagram Thank you Thank so you much. Both. Love the stories. I'm so excited to meet you and your daughters yeah. this yeah. summer. Yeah, me too. Thanks for this conversation. It was super fun. I hope you enjoyed the show today. You can support this podcast by donating to it on freebirthsociety.com and leaving an awesome review on whatever platform you listen on. The more reviews, the more visibility the show gets, so let's spread the word of Sovereign Birth. We've always got a lot going on at Free Birth Society, and you can find out about all of it at freebirthsociety.com, at freebirthsociety on Instagram, and opt in to my newsletter below in the show notes. We offer courses on free birth, authentic midwifery, and the blood mysteries, as well as one-on-one coaching, in-person retreats, and of course, our annual women's festival. Our exclusive vetted private membership is definitely something to check out if you're looking for a community of wise sisters. Together we rise. We must speak our stories, claim our lives, and support one another. This is the living revolution, and I am so grateful to be in it with all of you. I'll leave you with our epic Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. 
strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts. Keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly and bring her back from the stars. Conscious.